What time is it? What's the date? How much longer till we get there? How much time until the service is over? How many days are left till Christmas? When's your birthday? What day is it? We're full of questions about time and timing. And it's interesting to note that when we ask these kinds of questions, we sort of have a dual reason for asking them that goes beyond simply trying to locate ourselves in time and space. On the one hand, we enjoy the anticipation that precedes events like birthdays and Christmas and visits to friends and family. And we really want to be sure to make the most of those, the events themselves so we don't run to rush into them unprepared. Then again, there are those events that we don't want to anticipate, like tax day or a visit to the doctor or the dentist appointment for the root canal or illness or even death. And yet we need to be ready, know to be ready for those things as well. Either way, it's about preparation, which is about anticipation and promise and hope and overcoming fear. The world, the world without Christ, does it one way. Christians, those of us who have been baptized into his death and resurrection, are called upon to do it another way. While the world concentrates on things that happen in this world and either celebrates or cringes before them, we are called to have a kingdom vision. We're called to see the events of this life as a prelude, an introduction, a portent, if you will, of the life to come. That's what Jesus is talking about in our text for today as he speaks to us and to his disciples in the week just prior to his death. You see, Jesus knew that he was going to die for the sins of the whole world. He knew that he was going to be raised to life again for his, so that his followers, the disciples and us, could have the hope of the resurrection, a hope which we desperately need as we live our lives in a world of sin where troubles like ice storms and tsunamis and terrorist attacks and wars seek to disrupt our lives and turn our attention away from the kingdom of God. Jesus also knew that after he ascended into heaven, he would one day return to bring to a full end the trials and the tribulations of this world. But his disciples knew none of this, although they may have expected part of it. And we wouldn't either, save for their witness, as it's been preserved for us in the Holy Scriptures. So it's good for us to meditate on Christ's words today. The story really begins before our text with Jesus and his disciples walking in the outer courts of the temple in Jerusalem. And there they saw many rich people putting their gifts in an offering box. And then Luke reports he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. For some reason, this caused a discussion among the disciples about the beauty of the temple and how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings. Maybe they were bemoaning the fact that that money could have better been used for the poor. I don't know. At any rate, Jesus knew that the time was right, that it was a teachable moment. And so he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. 
And it appears the disciples at least partially understood what Jesus was talking about. I think they knew that he was pointing to the full appearance of the kingdom of God after the destruction of the temple, when the focus of the world's attention would be on God himself and not on the things of this world. They had, after all, heard the prophet Jeremiah who said, the Lord is our righteousness and all of the other prophets of the Old Testament. So they asked, teacher, when will these things be and what will be the sign that these things are about to take place? And the answer they got was not the answer they expected. Instead of a time, they got signs and instructions on how to recognize that what the world sees as reasons for despair are rather reasons for hope. It was a lesson in living, of the pe- living as the people of God in a world of sin. A way of being at peace and being joyful and hopeful when everything else seems to be going wrong. Jesus, by his perfect life, by his death and his resurrection and his ascension into heaven, has overcome the world and he's shown us the promise of eternal life with him. For now, however, we've been left in a world of sin. Whereas he himself has has says to us, you will have tribulation. But then he says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Take heart, I have overcome the world. When these things begin to take place, he says, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. As he reminds us of the Psalm 24, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Time and timing. How are you doing this year? Even before Thanksgiving, the world was decorating and selling and advertising for Christmas. Even though the first Sunday in Advent wasn't until this past Sunday. And in the days since, that frenzy has only grown. For the world, it's about the marketing. It's about the gifts and the glitz and the false sentiments of peace on earth and goodwill toward men and good for them. But when it's over, it's over. And the hardness and the harshness of life can return with a fury that might rival even this year's ice and snow and rainstorm. After the parties and the presents, life will return to normal, whatever that is. And people will again be looking for relief in the midst of the dissipations that overcome them. Where will they look? To drugs? To alcohol? To illicit activities? Or to the next party? Those aren't the answer. We know the answer, and we can help them. Jesus says we must help them. In our preparations, therefore, we will rejoice with those who rejoice and be glad for all the preparations and decorations and parties. But then let's also take the opportunity to tell people about Jesus, the real Jesus. Not just a sweet baby whose displaced family found shelter in the stall, Not just the birth announced by angels and recognized by shepherds and attested to by wise men from the east whose gifts inspired a man named St. Nicholas to give gifts to others. Christmas and Advent are about the Jesus who came to give the knowledge of salvation to his people through the forgiveness of their sins. He came to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, as Zachariah says at the birth of John the Baptist. 
the story is about Jesus, God, the Son of God, who came not just as a baby born in Bethlehem, but as the Son of the Father, who gave up his eternal throne to enter and to change this world of sin. It's about Jesus, full of grace and truth, as St. John says. The Jesus who died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised again. This is the Jesus who loves all people and who died to save all people. Advent is a time when we can help those who are burdened by the troubles and cares of this world to prepare to see the Son of Man coming in clouds with power and great glory. That's the call of our text. And it's also why this first week in Advent isn't yet about Christmas. It's all about timing, but it's about the end of time. It's about the fullness of God's love, the purpose of the Christmas story. When Jesus, for us men and for our salvation, came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, as we confess in the Nicene Creed. Because of God's patient desire that all should be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, St. Peter reminds us, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years are as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of salvation. And so we continue, by God's grace, to live in a world of sin, sin that causes the distress of nations and the perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves and people fainting with fear and with foreboding on what is coming in this world. But Jesus says, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Jesus has come, and he's coming again. What a joy, and what a promise. So, what time is it? What's the date? How much longer till we get there? How many days are left till Christmas? What day is this? Well, it's the first week in Advent, Tuesday, December the 5th, 2006. Beyond that, we really don't have many answers. But we have seen the signs. And we have been called to faith in the Savior. In our baptism, we have been baptized into his death. In the Holy Supper, we are fed and nourished and sustained by his body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And as we confess our faith together in the creeds of the church, we practice ways to tell others of our faith and of his love. Stand up. Lift up your heads. Because your redemption is drawing near. Amen.